Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. The season of Lent. It's the 40 plus days that begin on Ash Wednesday and lead up to Easter. And it's a significant season in the life of the Christian church. But what's so special about Lent? That's the question we're asking in today's message which is based on Luke chapter 9 verses 21 through 27 and Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. And it begins with some thoughts on the movement and the incredible joy of the Christian year. Well, let me just start out this morning by telling you that for me, and I'm speaking here pastorally, but I'm also speaking personally, for me, the Christian year represents one slow, steady build-up to great celebration and an indescribable joy. It begins, the Christian year, with the season of Advent, four weeks of ever-increasing anticipation for that glorious moment of Jesus' birth and the great joy of Christmas. We light candles one at a time. Uh, the, the level of excitement and, and the and joy of the songs we sing increase exponentially from week to week until we're at Christmas. And then, then Christmas comes, and after a brief time lingering at the stable of Bethlehem, we move from Christmas to Christmas tide to epiphany. Epiphany, when we revel in the light that has come into the world in Christ Jesus, culminating in the image that we looked at last Sunday, the image of Jesus' face transfigured atop a mountain with his clothing as bright as a flash of lightning. Now, after that, our thoughts and our hearts turn towards Jerusalem. As, again, slowly, we make our way to the Palm Sunday Parade. And even though that particular day inevitably leads us to Maundy Thursday's sad night of betrayal and desertion, and, and ultimately to the utter agony of the cross on Good Friday, it's all leading up to the greatest moment of joy and victory that the world has ever known, the Day of Resurrection. Easter Sunday, and, and, and this is to say nothing for the moment about the 50 great days of Easter, otherwise known as Eastertide, followed by the day of Pentecost, and, and the longest season of the church year, the days after Pentecost, in which we remember the gift of the Holy Spirit. So do you see what I'm saying here? Here in the Christian church, it's all about the celebration. It's no wonder that, that in so many ways the world goes with us in that celebration. It goes with us, if I can borrow a phrase from the late Ann Weems, a journey from Advent's Alleluia to Easter's morning light. From the singing of Christmas carols to decorating Easter eggs, even those with a cursory understanding, a less than cursory understanding of what these celebrations are really all about, they join in with us out of the sheer joy of it. In fact, the, the entire Christian year, and I, and I dare say our whole life together as the church would just seem to encompass 
one season of joy and celebration right after another. It would seem that way, and it would be true were it not for the season of Lent. That's right, I said it. The season of Lent. Forty days on the Christian calendar, 46 actually if you count Sundays, and we'll get to that. Forty days set between Ash Wednesday and Easter. Six weeks on the Christian year set aside for prayer and fasting, introspection and self-examination, focused on penitence and sacrifice. This is time most decidedly not devoted to celebration, but rather preparation. It's to ready our hearts not only for the horrific events of Holy Week, but also, quoting Dennis Bratcher, to prepare for God's marvelous redemption at Easter and the resurrected life that we live and we hope for as Christians. Suffice to say here, friends, that truly Lent is pretty somber business. And there is a reason that this season of the church year begins with ashes. There was a reason we came here on Wednesday to receive the symbol of ashes on our foreheads. It's a reason that happens there and also a reason that comes to a close with God's own son hanging helplessly on a cross, his lifeless body laid in a borrowed tomb. Because, you see, unlike all the other seasons of the church year, the ones that do seem to be centered on celebration, Lent focuses on the weight of sin and death, yours and mine. It focuses on our great need for God's grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his salvation. You know, in, in some ways, it occurred to me this week that, that it all kind of comes down to the difference between last Sunday's gospel reading, which was all, of course, about the glory of Christ's transfiguration, and this morning's text that Cindy shared with us, in which Jesus foretells his death and, and his resurrection, but then says to his disciples, and by extension to us, if any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know what's interesting, again, at least to me, is that this season of Lent is not something that is, shall we say, biblically mandated. That is, really there's nothing concrete in Scripture that designates Lent as any kind of holy precept or any kind of law. Truth in fact, Lent didn't actually originate in the Christian church until around the fourth century. And even then, uh, the observance of Lent didn't last 40 days. Actually, it lasted 40 hours. That was time to be spent fasting and, uh, and in prayer to commemorate the suffering of Christ and the 40 hours he spent in the tomb. Later on, several hundred years later, in fact, it was expanded to include the six days of Holy Week. And eventually, it arrived at how we observe it today. 
with the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter, which coincides with the 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the wilderness, as well as, by the way, the number of years that Israel spent in the wilderness wandering around. You know, there's so many numerical links in Scripture. This is one of the most fascinating ones. The flood in Noah's story. How long did it rain? 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is an important number, and it's reflected in the season of the church year. Moreover, over the centuries, there have been many traditions that have sprung up in how Lent is observed. There was many years in the Middle Ages and beyond that there was silencing of music and singing during worship. In other words, the organ was to be silenced. Choirs were not to sing. Hymns, if there were hymns at all, were supposed to be very simple and uh, chant-like, I guess. There was also the practice that's still observed in a lot of churches of not singing any alleluias until Easter Sunday. And there, of course, was the practice in some traditions of not eating meat or of giving up something for Lent. These as a spiritual discipline and in, as a way of engaging in a simple act of, of self-sacrifice. And that does happen still a whole lot today, and might I say it happens appropriately. In fact, uh, if social media is any indication, I am aware right now of a whole lot of people who are, are not only giving up things like junk food and other bad habits for Lent, but also there are a great many who have stopped playing on their cell phones and have decided they are not going to go on Facebook every day. Now, to be honest with you, I'm kind of hoping that doesn't include them being part of our church's online community. Uh, but there you go. Not a bad Sacrifice, self-sacrifice, because it puts in focus things that perhaps are much more important. All this having been said these days, all this having been said, these days I would say to you that we are a little more casual about these things, aren't we? Actually, there are some traditions of faith in the Protestant tradition that don't acknowledge any kind of Lenten season at all. I remember some years back uh, participating in a community Lenten slash Holy Week series of worship services in which the theme was the seven last words of Christ spoken from the cross. And, and as you can imagine, by its very nature, these were pretty solemn services, at least in tone. However, in the midst of these services, one of the other local congregations who were participating came right in to, to lead worship, and they came bringing pretty much a full-blown Easter-themed revival service right there in the sanctuary of the Catholic Church. And it was, I, I got to tell you, it was fun, to say the least. There was so much Southern gospel being played, and you can't help but be uh, you know, swept up in that. The music was lively, but given the theme of everything else that was being talked about, it was also a little unsettling. And I, and I remember afterwards, one of my colleagues in the ministerium went up to this pastor and he asked, um, didn't you uh, realize this was a service for Lent? Uh, this is Holy Week. Uh, didn't you realize what this was about? And as he reported it back to me, all this pastor had to say was, well, at our church, we don't do Lent. 
Okay, fair enough. Well, at least in our tradition, we do do Lent. But perhaps in all honesty, not as much as we used to. For us, you see, giving something up for Lent becomes maybe doing something good for ourselves, like diet and exercise. Perhaps we use this season as a, as a means to come to church a little more often, to uh, take part in a Lenten luncheon Bible study on Wednesday at noon, hint, hint. Or maybe we just take these six weeks to wait. Wait till, say, Palm Sunday and then Easter. Wait till the music becomes a little more lively and a little less somber and, and of a minor key. Wait till we get to come here and start shouting out our hosannas and our alleluias in earnest. I mean, what's so special about Lent anyway? I mean, we already know how this story ends, right? We already know about the empty tomb, and, and we've heard this incredible good news of Jesus having risen from the dead. And yes, we're very much aware of the agony Jesus faced on the cross. In fact, to hear that part of the story again sometimes just seems too much for us to bear. I have heard that countless times from parishioners over the years, that they appreciate the story, that they're familiar with the story of the passion, but they, they, they can't bear hearing it again. And, and they inevitably will ask me in one way or another, why can't we just skip all that? Why can't we just go straight to the joyous part of the journey. Why can't we start celebrating early? I mean, we do that with Christmas, right? We don't even pay attention to the Christian calendar. We wait just shy of Halloween and we go full tilt on Christmas. Why can't we just do that with Easter? Why do we really need Lent? Well, this is where Jesus' words to his disciples start to resonate in our hearts. When he said to them, again, just prior to the transfiguration, the Son of Man must suffer intensely. He must be rejected by the religious establishment, the elders, the chief priests, the religious scholars. And then, then he says to them, he will be killed. And then on the third day, he will be raised. That, by the way, is the voice translation of our text for this morning, as is what follows. Jesus says to them, if any of you want to walk my path, you're going to have to deny yourself. You'll have to take up your cross every day, every day and follow me. If you try to avoid danger and risk, then you'll lose everything. But if you let go of your life and if you risk all for my sake, then, then your life will be rescued, healed, made whole and full. Maybe, friends, at the end of the day, that's what we're missing when it comes to the Lord. Perhaps these 40 days before Easter amount to more than a liturgical exercise carried across the centuries from the historical church. Maybe it's much more than a waiting period between Epiphany and Easter. 
Maybe Lent serves as an opportunity for us to stop along our way so that we can pick up our crosses to follow Jesus where he's going. Because how can you and I truly know how and why we celebrate Easter unless we know where Jesus went to get there? And how can we know where Jesus went unless we go with him there? And how can we go with him there except to take up our crosses and follow him? How can we celebrate at all, beloved, unless we truly come to understand the reason for the celebrating? It's for that kind of understanding, that kind of insight that kind of spiritual renewal, that's why we need Lent. Now, do not get me wrong. For you and I to observe Lent does not mean we have to spend these next six weeks prostrate on the ground amidst sackcloth and ashes. Again, speaking both as a pastor and as a Christian, I've never believed that this season of the church year means we all have to sit around and be all morose in our worship. You know, if, that, if you weren't convinced before, the fact that we did yeehaws and worship on the first Sunday in Lent should be proof positive. There's also a reason, by the way, that according to Christian tradition, the 40 days of Lent do not include Sundays. Because Sundays, the early church correctly determined, was always going to be meant for worship. It was always going to be about celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. So yes, there will be happy songs sung here between now and Easter, and well, we should. But that said, perhaps what would make this Lenten season special is to understand a bit of where it is that we're headed. And what, what's ahead means for you and I on the journey of faith. This week I read a wonderful essay by Rolf Jacobson of Lutheran Seminary out of Minnesota. And the essay was entitled Rethinking the Lenten Journey. And, and, and the first theory that he uh, puts out there is the fact that we really ought to stop calling it the journey of the cross because it isn't a physical journey on our part. I would take issue with a little bit of that. It's certainly a spiritual journey, but I take his point. But then he goes on to suggest a number of ways that we can experience Lent as something meaningful and as a time to grow and to journey spiritually. Lent, of course, is thought of as in temporal terms. It's always going to be about those 40 days leading up to Easter as the long watch that ends the night. It can also be thought of as preparation, spiritual discipline, as we draw closer to Easter. But it also can be imagined, Jacobson writes, in terms of its emotions. Lent, you see, is mourning our fallenness. It is grieving over sin. It's a season of sadness before the season of joy. A song of sorrow that precedes Easter's shouts of praise. It's also to be thought of in terms of truth. It's a reminder to each and every one of us that our lives are grasped by the power of God's truth. 
with that truth that strips us bare of all our self-justifying lies and then assures us that God truly loves us in spite of our failings. Lent, concludes Jacobson, is sackcloth, but Easter is joy. Lent is all ashes, but Easter is celebration. Lent is the bare late winter forest, diluted of leaf and life. But Easter is the green blade rising from the buried grain. What's so special about Lent, friends? It's special in that it shows us a pathway pathway of life and true celebration, and it then enables us to hear the call of Jesus to walk, indeed, as our epistle this morning says it, to run with perseverance the way ahead, all the while looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame. The Lenten season has begun, and the pathway to the cross and ultimately to the empty tomb lay ahead of us. So it is time for us to take up our crosses daily to follow Jesus where he has already gone. And I pray today that that journey might bring us fresh insights. It might serve as a deepening of our relationship with Jesus. May it serve as a means of spiritual growth unlike any we have known before. And may it prepare our hearts and our lives for the greatest celebration that's yet to come. That celebration of life abundant. Celebration of life eternal. So let's get going pathway looms ahead of us. and We need to take those first few steps. Every step along the way, beloved, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, What's So Special About Lent? Part of our Lenten sermon series all about what's special about our Christian faith. It was recorded during our February the 26th service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire, where, by the way, we invite you to join us in person for worship each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord. I would love to have the opportunity to welcome you to our church, and I know you'll be glad you came. But for now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I thank you for listening today, and until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.